Take your copy of Scripture, if you will, and turn to John's Gospel, chapter 4. We're in a series. This is the third week of the series we're calling New Identity. And I've mentioned to you that our government has a thing they call the Witness Protection Program. And I remember um, we're big fans of the 24 series with Kiefer Sutherland and Jack Bauer. And Jack Bauer had to go underground in the Witness Protection Program. If any of you watched that, I've only seen it on television, but apparently it's a thing in real life too. If someone's life is in danger, our government would give them a new identity, send them to a new place. But it's all just pretend. They're still the same person on the inside. But when Jesus Christ gives you a new identity, he transforms us from the inside out. We looked at the transformation of a tax collector a few weeks ago, the life of Zacchaeus and the difference Jesus made when he gave him a new identity. Last week, Pastor Roger took us through the transformation of the thief on the cross. What a beautiful reminder that that God's grace is sufficient. I don't have to earn my salvation. It doesn't even seem fair sometimes, you think. Somebody can live their whole life wicked and a thief and live however he wants, but at the very last minute before he dies, he can repent and go to heaven? Absolutely, that's what the Scripture says. So if you look at what's fair, what's fair is I ought to be in hell right now for the sins in my life. So we're so thankful for the wonderful grace of Jesus. Imagine if you had a friend and you were at the, you just happened to run into her down at the convenience store, and she goes over, she opens up the cooler to get her a, a, a Coke Zero, uh, which is better than Diet Coke, by the way, to get her a Coke Zero, and she comes to you, she's like, you ain't going to believe what just happened to me. I'm just in here to get a Coca-Cola, and this man I have never met tells me everything about me. He says, hey, I know everything about you. You've had four different boyfriends you've been committing immorality with. Now you're going to be with a fifth one this weekend, and you better look out about what's about to happen. And she's like, how did this man know everything about me? That would freak anybody out. I want you to think with me on this subject this morning, the new identity, transformation of an immoral woman. Transformation of an immoral woman. That's pretty much what happened here in John's Gospel, chapter number 4. And I want you to think about what's the thirstiest you have ever been? I'm thirsty all the time. I always have water with me. I have, you know, mints in my pocket. I take so much allergy medicine 365 days a year. And this time of year especially, I get dried out pretty quick all the time. I remember being on a mission trip in um, Poland one year. And I was thinking about the thirstiest I've ever been. We're in a mission trip. And I had the rec team. That's pretty God's irony. You put the asthmatic kid in charge of the rec team. That never happened before. But I'm there in the park. And it's kind of like North Georgia. It was that red dusty clay stuff and we were just parched they were having a record heat wave in Poland and I could not wait to finish and break the rules and take my kids to the store to get something to drink you weren't supposed to do that but I'm like we're making an exception here or if you've ever had to go through a surgical procedure where they put you to sleep and you can't have anything to eat or drink after midnight I have enough stored fat I can do without the food but it's not having anything to drink that's the part that kills me if you've ever been really really thirsty I would submit to you the thirstiest, the biggest thirst known to man is when somebody's looking for hope, somebody's looking for peace, somebody's looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places, and they still come up thirsty and searching. That's the scene that we're about to get to. John's Gospel, chapter number 4. Would you please rise if you can and give reverence and honor to the reading of God's Word. John's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. He, Jesus, had to go through Samaria on his way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. 
And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Lord Jesus, I am so thankful that your gospel is sufficient to transform anybody and everybody across every racial, cultural, socioeconomic, any prejudicial barrier we can imagine. We're thankful that your gospel is sufficient to give new identities. So, Lord Jesus, as we look into your truth today, I pray that someone may receive a new identity. As this goes out on the World Wide Web later on this week, Lord Jesus, I pray that someone listening will respond to your gospel and receive that brand new identity so that they can give a life that gives honor and glory to you because you are worthy. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Write this down if you will. Six quick things I'm going to walk through with you this morning. Number one, God wants us to get past our preconceived ideas. God wants us to get past our preconceived ideas. Racism is nothing new. I grew up in rural South Georgia. That tells you a lot about some of the stuff that I grew up with. Racism was present even in biblical times. And it's ironic the Jews are the most hated people group in all of human history. Really, even to this day, they're those who hate them just simply because they're Jews. You would think if anybody would not suffer from prejudice, it would be Jews because they know what it's like. But yet, Jews were prejudiced towards Samaritans. Samaritans were people that were looked down upon because these were, these were the result of Jewish people that intermarried with foreigners. And so they looked down on them with prejudice. Did you know there's only one race, and that is the human race? We allow the devil to divide us and put labels on us. There is one race, the human race. I may have shared this with you before, but years ago, I think when people put out ratings for movies and TV programs that are just garbage, who are they talking to? They ain't never called me. Well, the Nielsen rating people called me one time, and I saw Nielsen on the phone, so I answered it. wanted to give my opinion. And so they were asking me all these questions. They said, sir, what is your race? And I said, you're asking me a faulty question because there's really no such thing as race. There's one race, the human race. If we believe the Bible is the divinely inspired word of God, we got to be honest and say, all, every one of us descended from Adam and Eve. Am I right about that? And if you want to fast forward several generations, really all of us descended from Noah and Mrs. Noah. If you want to take it forward, we all came from there. That's why the vision for Transformation Church from day one has been a multicultural, multi-generational church where anybody and everybody can be transformed by the truth of the gospel. Well, even in Bible times, so many of the Jews were so prejudiced, they wouldn't even travel through Samaria like they're going to catch some disease or something. That's how much they hated Samaritans. But Jesus Christ knows no prejudice. He died for the sins of the whole world. And so Jesus is thirsty. He stops at the well about noontime. Well, in that culture, of course, they didn't have running water. Speaking of running water, can I give you a little praise report? Our house is finally finished. 
I slept in my bed in my bedroom last night for the first time in two months and one day. We're not, I haven't put everything back together yet, but all the workers are finished. We went from one tiny little bathroom that we couldn't fit in to three bathrooms. I told my mother, I said, I feel like a rich man. I went to bed with three commodes instead of one. It's, you know, just These are first world problems that we only have here in America. But Jesus was thirsty. It was the job of the women to go and draw the water because they had, of course, no running water. Now, most of the women in that culture would go either in the morning or late afternoon. Why do you think that's when they went? It was cooler, right? You might have said it, but I couldn't hear you. It was cooler then. That's when most of the women went. Not this woman. She went at noontime, the hottest part of the day. Why do you think she went at the hottest part of the day? Well, she was an immoral woman. She had some things that she was ashamed of. Maybe the other women in that community had gossiped about her and talked about her. Maybe she had gone in the mornings before and they said something to her face. You know how some people won't come to church these days? Because they've been before. Because they've been before and somebody looked down on them because of the color of their skin. Somebody looked down on them because of the way they were dressed and because they they felt that judgment. Have you ever felt that judgment before where people look down on you? They gossip about you. They whisper about you. Maybe you have an idea of how this woman felt. So out of her shame, she came at noontime to avoid the other women. And I don't know about you today or listening on the World Wide Web. Maybe you're living in shame. And you're so fearful that somebody's going to find out the kind of life you have been living or what's happened in your past. Listen, if you don't get much of what I'm telling you today, write this down and don't forget it. Jesus Christ was not nearly as concerned with her past as he was her future. Amen? He's not as concerned about my past as he is my future. So God wants us to get over our preconceived ideas and our racial prejudices. Number two, God wants us to allow him to evaluate our hearts. God wants us to allow him to evaluate our hearts. Look at verse 10. Jesus replied to the woman, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you'd ask me and I'd give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. God wants us to allow him to evaluate our hearts. This woman thought, I need some of this magic water. Some of this water that if I drink of this water, I won't ever have to come and draw water again. She thought she knew what she needed, but Jesus was telling her what all of us needed. Maybe you think you know what you need. I told Pastor Matt this morning, my heart was so full, it's time change Sunday. Fewer people come to church. This is the second least attended Sunday. When the, when the least attended Sunday is, the Sunday between Thanksgiving, uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Fewer people come to church then than any other Sunday. But it was pouring down rain. I hydroplaned all the way here. I get here, and here are these young college students who are pour, pulling these things out in the pouring down rain with a smile on their face. Not one of them complained. Not one of them said anything. And I told Pastor Matt, jokingly, okay, I said, 
We just need to all play the lottery and win and buy a big house and put all of our students in it so we can keep them here all summer long. I'm not advocating the lottery. I'm not saying that. But I'm thinking, that's what we need. No, God knows what we need. If they, when they go home for the summer, God knows we need help doing all the rest of this stuff. So the Lord will provide that for us. When you come before the Lord Jesus, sometimes we treat God like Santa Claus. Like we climb up in Santa Claus' lap and we say, give me this and give me this and give me that. Why don't we come before him and say, Lord, what do I really need? What's the greatest need in my life? He knew the greatest need of this woman's life. If we want to have a new identity and we want to be transformed by Jesus, we've got to let him evaluate our hearts. And then number three, God wants us to turn from our sinful choices. She just wanted some of this water so she wouldn't have to go to the well and get it again. God wants us to turn from our sinful choices. Look at verse number 16. <clears throat> Jesus put his finger right on the problem. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. for You've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. She asked for this living water, which was really salvation, but she wasn't ready to get saved yet. Jesus was not willing to receive her for salvation yet because it was just words. You know, salvation is so much more than just repeating a prayer. You know, I cringe to think of all the times in my, in my past as a student pastor. You know, we, we get in a big service or I'm preaching revival and we just say, repeat these words after me. Okay, now you're a Christian. Well, no, that may or may not be true. If you meant those words from your heart and you weren't just repeating words that the preacher says, if you meant it from your heart and you turn from your sins, you are a child of God. But salvation is so much more than just muttering words. She's going, give it to me, give it to me. And Jesus is like, mm -mm, you ain't ready yet. You've got to turn from some stuff. Don't hear what I'm not saying. It's not like I have to clean up my life before I can get saved. I'm not capable of cleaning up my own life. If, if we turn to Jesus in repentance and trust him fully, he'll make all those changes. He'll do the things that I cannot humanly do. So salvation is more than just confession, just saying, okay, I know I'm a sinner. It's more than just that. It's more than contrition, that deep, you know, sobbing and wailing and conviction for the sin in my life. It's more than contrition. It is changing direction. I do not have a good sense of direction. I just confess that. My wife can tell you that. I can get lost in a shoebox. I have zero sense of direction. And I don't know if GPS has helped me or hurt me. GPS just tells me where to turn and what to do, so I don't have to think anymore. You ask me how to get somewhere, I can't tell you. I just do what the GPS tells me to do. But if I'm driving down the road and Julie's like, you're going in the wrong direction. You need to turn around. What she means is, I need to change direction. I'm going in the wrong direction. Salvation means that I'm living for Mike. I'm doing what Mike wants to do. And I pivot and I do a 180 and I change directions. That is what it means to repent of our sins. He's telling her, okay, you've, got, you've had five husbands, but I love you anyway. No, regardless of your, I'm not as concerned about your past as I am your future. Let's deal with the heart of the problem. And if you will repent of your sins, I'll take care of all the rest. You see, I can't just say I just want to go to heaven and call that salvation. When I was in the fourth grade, a preacher came to my hometown and preached a crusade in the high school auditorium. And he preached on hell. Well, the little church I went to at that time, I never heard the preacher preach on hell. And it scared me to death. I'd have done whatever you told me not to do because I didn't want to go to hell. So the man said, come talk to somebody. So I did. I spoke with Mrs. Brandon, the lady who lived up Cemetery Road from me. And she said, sugar fell out this card, and I filled out that card. 
And I went to the fourth grade at Blackshear Trail Elementary School the next day, and everybody said, oh, we're so proud you got saved last night. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just filled out a card. Thank the Lord I knew nothing changed in my life. I wonder how many people have filled out a card or repeated a prayer after a preacher and never been talked to about repentance and no change in their life, and they're just as lost as a ball in high weeds. Would Jesus put his finger on the heart of the problem and he said, go get your husband? So many times if a conversation starts getting uncomfortable, what do we do? We change the subject. Number four, God wants us to avoid petty distractions. God wants us to avoid petty distractions. When Jesus put his finger on the heart of the problem, this woman tried to change the subject. Look at verse 19. Sir, the woman said, notice her progression, by the way. Look at the things that she calls this man Jesus. She starts off with, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So she's recognizing something in him. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem's the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped, Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Verse 23, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Verse 25, The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ, When he comes, he will explain everything to us and imagine her shock. Many of us have read these verses for decades of our lives, but put yourself in this woman's shoes. She's an immoral woman with repeated failed marriages. Jesus is showing her love. He points out what she's done, and he's showing her love, and he says, guess what? I'm the dude. I am. I am the Messiah. But she's trying to change the subject. So you're witnessing to somebody. You're getting down to the plan of salvation. You're, and they go, who are the 144,000 in Revelation anyway? They just changed the subject. You're sharing the gospel. You're inviting them to repent. And they go, will my puppy dog be in heaven when I get there? Who was Cain's wife in the book of Genesis? They start asking all this other stuff, and there are answers to all those questions, okay? But when we're sharing the gospel and we're dealing with the heart of the matter, let's stick to the main subject. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. And so God has blessed us. Pastor Matt and I talked this week. God's given us all the stuff that we need. Stage, we got more toys in our nursery than we need right now. We got all these signs. We got all this stuff. Now we've got to get about the main thing. The main thing is getting outside these walls and reaching people with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why a flashlight Easter egg hunt. Probably every church in town is going to have an Easter egg hunt. I don't know of any other church doing a flashlight hunt. When I was at Second One of Robbins, we did egg hunts for years. When Pastor Jim Perdue came and we did a flashlight egg hunt, you're talking about triple, quadruple the number of kids we ever had because it was different. And my wife leaned over and said, how are we going to get all these eggs? That's a great question. If you go to Walmart, they have bags of 200 plastic eggs with little pieces of candy in it. We need you to buy some eggs if you will. Next time you're at Walmart, I know because I'm a grandpa and I have a grandson. So every time I go to a store, I have to look for Paw Patrol stuff because Wyatt is obsessed with Paw Patrol. And I happen to see bags of 200 eggs for like 19 bucks. We're trusting God. How big will this thing be when we advertise? When you and I invite people, we hand out cards that Miss Jenny's having printed. Well, I can only tell you this. When we had our block party out here, we got 550 legit prospects at that block party. Well, if 550 people come and you got two or 300 kids out there, 
We need a heap of eggs, okay? If we're going to advertise it, we don't want kids to leave here disappointed. So that's all about reaching people with the gospel. And when we engage people out here, I want you to be able to share the gospel with them and keep the main thing, the main thing. Avoid the rabbit trail and stick to Jesus. Number five, God wants us to abandon everything else to follow Jesus. God wants us to abandon everything else to follow Jesus. Jesus is showing her love. He's showing her we're not prejudiced. The gospel's for everybody. He says, hey, I know about your sins and about your immorality, but I care about your soul anyway. And verse 27, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. In that culture, you didn't talk to a woman alone. And by the way, in this culture, you better be careful who you talk to alone as well. But none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her? They ain't asking Jesus. They're not questioning his motive. Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? She went from sir, she went to prophet, and now she says, could he be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him, piles of people. Man, when I say, when you set a church on fire for Jesus, people will come from all around to watch that, see what's on fire. Verse 39, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Why was she at the well? To get her water, right? She was so excited about meeting Jesus, she left her water pot behind to run and tell people what had happened. She abandoned her past. She abandoned her mission of just getting water. And now her mission is, i got to tell people about this guy, Jesus. That was her source of sustenance for her family. When she was willing to let Jesus clean her up, when she was finally willing to repent, to do that 180 and turn from her sins, Then he gave her salvation. She had a brand new life and wanted people to know. Are you still holding on to your water pot? Are you still holding on to the things of the past? Jesus was now number one in her life. She had a brand new identity. This woman who'd been through multiple divorces, multiple immoral relationships, people looked down on her, they gossiped about her, and she had a new identity. She instantly became a princess. A princess is a daughter of the king. She was the daughter of the Most High God. God can take a lonely Broken, single adult with multiple marriages, whatever. God can take all of that and give you a brand new identity. It's like when the government takes pictures of dead presidents and puts it on cheap paper. It becomes something valuable. It's like when a painter like Picasso takes a blank canvas and puts his work on there. It becomes something valuable. It's like when a poet takes an ordinary piece of paper and he pins those words on there because of who that poet is it becomes valuable when we take God at his word when we turn from our sins when we repent and we receive the gift of salvation he will not only give you a brand new identity here but he prepares for us a home in heaven and number six God wants us to point others to Jesus God wants us to point others to Jesus verse 42 Then the people in the village said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, because we've heard him ourselves. You may witness to people, and they may think, well, you know, that's kind of interesting. Did your life really change like that? But when they experienced him themselves, and they received the gift of salvation, then you experienced it yourselves. They said, now we know he is indeed the Savior of the world. If you have been saved, 
if you have been rescued, if you have received that new identity, listen, we can't help but tell other people about Jesus. We can't help but share with other people what the Lord has done. You know, with all of the, I, I know I still sound sick. I'm, it's just allergies now. You don't have to be afraid of me, okay? But I had that crud. Pastor Matt had it. It's going through our church. Some of our students have it now. That's why they're not here. So I'm desperate. I'm like, I do not have time to be sick. I'm steroids, antibiotics. So I read if you go to a sauna, it will help clear you out. And I will still have the bad cough. So I go to the sauna. I'm in the sauna. Okay, I'm just going to tell. I'm in the hot tub, okay, at the sauna. I'm trying to loosen this stuff up. And I'm talking to a young man. I'm telling him about our church. And he was, he's my daughter's age. He was 25. And he got so excited. He's an African-American young man. I said, we're a church for everybody. We believe Jesus can transform anybody. So he starts calling me Pops. He's, he's fist bumping me in the hot tub. That's awesome, Pops. That's awesome, Pops. You just share Jesus wherever you go in the hot tub at Kroger. We were at Cheddar's a few weeks ago. We spoke to our waitress. We just, we just do that all the time anyway. We just invite people. People are polite. Well, lo and behold, Randy Brown sends me a text last Sunday morning when I'm homesick. Our waitress from Cheddar's was here last week. She went home. She went back to work from here, went to work and said, I need to be off Wednesday night. And she was here Wednesday night for our next-gen study, too. It's just that simple. God did not provide all of these resources for us to have all of this stuff, for this just to be several dozen of us who come here. we got to get out there and point others to Jesus. Who will be in heaven because of you? You'll reach people I'll never reach. Usually when I meet somebody, I'm Mike. I don't tell them I'm a pastor. When I'm on my Nabisco job, I'm not ashamed of being a pastor. But when you tell people that, they roll their window up on you. Okay, I'm not listening to him anymore. You'll reach people that Pastor Matt, Pastor Blake and I, Pastor Roger and I may never meet because you are a normal person like them. We're abnormal people i guess you would say so sometimes people roll the wind we got to be about reaching people for the gospel that's why transformation church exists who'll be in heaven because god put them in your path who'll be in heaven because you were faithful to say come let me show you and tell you about a man jesus who told me everything i'd ever done and he loved me anyway in spite of that and he gave me a new identity if you take that same coin and you flip it over will be in heaven because of you the flip side of that is who might be in hell because of us who might be in hell because within the providence of God God put that person in our path to tell about Jesus listen I, 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 nobody knows the plan of God for sure but I'm ashamed that I could give you a list of times in my life that the Holy Spirit of God teed, you know what, when I say tee it up like a little kid, you put the ball on the tee, it's easier to hit. When God teed it up for me, I'm in my hometown in Cordell, and I'm not, this is after I had, I had recommitted my life to Christ, and God delivered me from alcohol, and somebody said, why aren't you drinking like you used to? God teed it up. That's the time for me to tell them the difference that Jesus can make. I'm ashamed to tell you, I whiffed. I whiffed. The Holy Spirit's going, tell her, tell her name was Michelle Fairclough, tell Michelle. And I whiffed. I put my hands in my pocket and said, well, you know, I want to be governor one day, and I don't want to get in trouble. And How can I be so stupid? It wasn't long after that, that young lady was killed in an accident. If I'm the only one that God put in her path to tell her about Jesus, and if she's not in heaven today, I don't know if she is or not, but if she's not, the Bible says her blood will be on my hands because I failed to. So who'll be in heaven because of us? 
But who'll be in hell because we didn't share with them. If he really transformed your life, if he really gave you a new identity, isn't it worth telling other people about that? So do you realize this morning that Jesus is more concerned with your future than he is your past? Listen, I come from a broken home, mobile home, cemetery road, Cordial, Georgia, generations of Duras, alcoholics. That's my past. Jesus isn't concerned with my past as much as he is my future. I said, we're going to break that chain of divorce. We're going to break the chain of divorce. We're going to break the chain of alcoholism. It stops here with my generation. You can say that in your life. Jesus is more concerned about your future than he is your past. What are you holding on to that prevents God from using you fully? Is it a water pot? Is it mistakes of your past? Is it labels that maybe your parents or other people put on you and told you what a failure you are? Listen, I know a young man who's very close and dear to me. His mother has told him repeatedly, I should have aborted you. What kind of mother says that to an adult child? I don't care what, what, I do care, I hurt for you. But no matter what you've been told, God wants to give you a new identity and make you a prince or a princess, a daughter or a son of the Most High God. Who is in your path that you need to tell about Jesus? If I can talk to a dude in a hot tub about the Lord, you can talk to people about Jesus anywhere. Who must you tell about Jesus? And if you've never received your new identity, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. I believe we're living in the fourth quarter of human history. I believe God's given us the two-minute warning. I've always believed that before Jesus raptures his church, I've always believed God may just give us another great awakening. God may just give us another revival. We hear the winds of revival stirring in different places around our nation. Could it very well be that God's getting ready to look at Gabriel and say, I'm getting, you better get ready, son, to blow that trumpet. When that trumpet's going to toot, I'm going to scoot, and I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to be instantaneously raptured. But in the meantime, I want to take as many people as I can with me, whether it's in a hot tub or at a restaurant or on a ball field. Wherever you are, there are people all around us who know nothing about Jesus here at this church just several months ago, a seven-year-old boy, he's lived seven years, he comes to Transformation Church, did not even know what a cross was. And Miss Jenny got the opportunity to tell him that's what Jesus did for us. There are people just like that little boy all across this community. Let's be faithful to tell them. God did not let us birth Transformation Church for us. God allowed us to birth Transformation Church for people who need to know they can receive a new identity. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm so thankful that although I still mess up, although I still sin, that you don't give up on me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're still working on me to make me everything I ought to be. God, I pray I never get over what you did for me, a nobody from nowhere. And you reached down your nail-scarred hand and you rescued me. I'm no longer that kid from the broken home. I'm no longer the son of a drunk man and a drunk granddaddy, but I'm a child of the Most High God. Thank you for that new identity in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, those of us who are redeemed, we thank you for that new identity. Burn in our hearts the desire to tell other people about you wherever we go so that they'll come running to you. They'll want to receive their new identity as well. Lord, there may be those who are here today or hear this later on and say, you know, I know I'm saved. Oh, I've just taken my eyes off the Lord and not living like I ought to. Well, I sure understand that. I've been there 
on more than one occasion in my own life. I got away from the Lord, but he kept pulling me back. If you know Jesus as the Lord of your life, his Holy Spirit is, is going to draw you back to himself. He don't let his kids sin and get away with it. If you sin and there's no conviction, I would submit to you, you must not know the Lord because on the authority of the word of God, God disciplines his own children. If you've never been saved, the Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, He's the God of the universe, the virgin-born Son of God, and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. That's what Easter is all about. You say it with your mouth, but it's not just words. You believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You too can be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made unto righteousness. And with the heart, we believe unto salvation. Lord Jesus, I pray you'll save the souls closest to eternity apart from you. I pray you'll give somebody a new identity, even today, even this week. And for the rest of us who've already received our new identity, burden our hearts that we'll want to see the kingdom of God expanded. That we'll realize we're not taking a car, we're not taking a house, we're not taking a boat. We're not taking a hobby to heaven with us. The only thing we can take to heaven with us are people that we've pointed to faith in you. So, Lord, use us. By faith, you have allowed us to establish Transformation Church to be a lighthouse to this community where anybody can be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to hunger and thirst to give you glory by telling other people about you. We prepare to stand and sing in just a moment. If everything's okay between you and the Lord, this is just a time of praise and worship to sing back to God. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you know is lost. Somebody you talked to at Kroger. Somebody you met on your kid's ball team or a neighbor. You just want to come to this altar and just pray for them. You do what the Lord tells you to do. Maybe you're burdened for somebody that's, that's sick and having difficulties in their life. Pray that God would use those difficulties to show them that the only way to have that thirst satisfied is a personal relationship and a new identity in Jesus. So, Father, before I walk out of this building today, I want to make sure I've done exactly what you've told me to do. Before any of us leave today, maybe look deep in our hearts and let you evaluate the situation. Not what we think we need, but what you tell us we need. And maybe respond, and the only way we ought to respond, and that's obedience. Recognizing you went all the way to the cross and the tomb for us. Help us to do whatever it takes to honor you. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. We'll stand together. We'll sing this song. Come to the altar. If you need to come to the altar and pray for somebody, you do that. If you want somebody to pray with you, we got people all over who would love to pray with you. Whatever you need. Jesus is.